This is Sermonsmith, a bi-weekly conversation about the craft of sermon preparation. My name is John Chandler. Thanks for listening once again, or if you're new to the podcast, thanks for listening for the first time. We'll jump right into some business here. Our sponsor, our partner for this conversation is Audible Audiobook. If you go to audibletrial.com slash sermonsmith, you can sign up there and you can get a free audiobook. I love Audible books because I like to listen to books when I'm in my car. I don't have much of a commute, but I find that even being able to listen in my car, I call it sermon prep to go, you'll see, because it's just another way to keep up. Typically on Audible, I try to listen to newer popular books uh, just as a way for me to keep up with what are some of the voices that are speaking into our culture, speaking into my congregation. So what I'd recommend to you right now that is brand new that I've been listening to myself is Rising Strong by Brene Brown. You might be familiar with Brene Brown. as uh, She's gotten quite a bit of notoriety of late. She wrote Daring Greatly, uh, The Gifts of Imperfection, just some great work on shame and vulnerability that I find plays in a lot alongside some of the scriptures that we are studying in our congregation. So if you go to audibletrial.com backslash sermonsmith, you can get a free book and as you end up signing up there, it is a way for you to support the podcast as well. As always, uh, you feel free to follow us on Twitter at Sermonsmith. Find us on Facebook. Just do a search for Sermonsmith there. Happy to have you follow there. And also, that's a great way to help others find the podcast. I keep hearing from people who have heard the podcast for the first time because they saw it pop up on social media or someone like you shared it. So thanks for spreading the word. My guest today is Abram Kielsmeyer Jones. This was kind of a fun story because I saw Abram, I found Abram online and I was reading his blog and I'm like, this guy, this guy could be my brother from another mother because he was blogging about so many of the same kinds of things that I'm interested in. Music, he's, he's really nerdy. I think he'll be okay with me saying that. He loves his software. We didn't geek out way too much on you today, but we definitely had some fun. So I ran across him and then I sent him an email and he never responded, the turkey. He never responded to me. And and so this was, you know, I waited like three weeks. I'm like, man, maybe he's just not interested. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden on Twitter, he was reaching out to me and saying, hey, I just found your podcast. It's great. Uh, thanks so much for what you do. And so I said, well, I just emailed you. Uh, why don't you like follow up with me through the website or through a direct message? And so we ended up connecting. Turns out that when I had emailed him, I had reversed the letters a couple of letters in his email address, and so I had missed him. And I was sitting here in my mind, and even here with you calling him a turkey, and all along, I was the turkey. So all that to say, Abram Kielsmeyer jones is the guest today. Abram, see, I'm talking, I don't have this in front of me. Here it is. Abram is the pastor of Union Congregational Church in Magnolia, Massachusetts, a, a, a town on the shore outside of Boston, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation uh, because, like I said, we just I, I feel like he and I could have had a whole lot of conversations just about sermon prep and pastoring and nerding and all of those kind of things. Um, but I think this is one you'll be able to follow along with, especially for those who are looking to improve your workflow sermon-wise as far as digitally. I think you'll find some good things here. But I think for all of you, uh, he has some thoughtful additions to this conversation that we've been having on an ongoing basis. So that's enough said. That might be the longest introduction to an individual I've ever given. Certainly the first time I've called somebody a turkey, but here's Abram Kielsmeyer. Uh, I'm just going. We're going for it. All right. What what kind of last name is Kielsmeyer Jones? <laughs> well, uh, Jones was my, I can't say maiden name. I have to say bachelor name. Yeah. 
Jones is my bachelor name and Kielsmeyer was my wife's maiden name. Uh, uh-huh. Her first name is Sarah and Sarah Jones didn't quite have the ring to it. I think that she wanted, um, and I can't blame her. That would be a fairly common name. So she wanted to join hyphenate and become Kielsmeyer Jones and said, would you like to do the same thing? And, uh, that was a no brainer for me, just sort of representative of the, the two becoming one and two families, uh, coming together, two people coming together. Uh, and so that made a lot of sense to me. So we are both Kielsmeyer Jones. All right. Well, see, I knew there had to be a story there. Yeah. It had a unique flavor Definitely. to it. So yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I'm, before I even ask you to tell us about where you are, I'm going to talk about how I found you. Okay. So I had been in touch with Accordance, and I I just emailed them and just and said, hey, you know, I'd love to maybe interview some people. I've I've had several Logos users. I'm a Logos user, but I thought it'd be fun to interview some people who use Accordance as well, and asked if they had recommendations. And they sent me you, like they sent me your name and link. So I, they might have just sent me your name, and I Googled that, and it was pretty easy to find you because it's a unique name. Yeah. So I come to your blog, which you call Words on the Word, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is like, he he might be out geeking me. And that's <laughs> like, that's saying something. But then, so I mean, you're talking about sermon prep and you're talking about the software, which I, I, I we could we could probably lose a lot of people getting technical in this one, which right. would be totally fine with me because I love it. But yeah. then you're also talking about how you love Caspian, the instrumental band, big fan of Caspian. So right I thought- on. Man, we uh, like we should just go on vacation together. We could probably yeah. fill the whole time with conversation. Definitely. I just <laughs> just saw Caspian live in in Boston the other night. By the way, they were excellent. Nice. All right. So, well, so with all that being said, no yeah. no pressure now. <laughs> right. <laughs> no pressure to keep this interesting. But sure. uh, tell us about where you are. Tell us about the context where you preach. Yeah, well, uh, I am on the North Shore of Boston, uh, so it's uh, a suburb, although it's a seaside community where our church is. We are literally a, a block, maybe two, uh, from the beach, huh. from the ocean, which is absolutely wonderful. And so, um, you know, on the off chance that I deliver a boring message, people have somewhere uh, scenic to walk to in the middle of the sermon and <laughs> try to come back in time for the benediction. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, seaside community here. Uh, this church is a uh, United Church of Christ church. Uh, it's it's a, a loose affiliation that we have. It's a congregational church, so everything you know the the authority. Well, the authority resides with God, but uh, in human terms, it resides with the congregation. So everything happens by congregational vote and approval. Um, so it's a congregational church, probably about sixty five or so folks, maybe seventy on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got a really good feel uh, where it feels like a nice critical mass gathering, um, but also small enough that you can really get to know people and, and feel like it's a community. Yeah, and is that do you have a congregationalist background? I don't actually. Uh, well, a little bit. Um, I was a youth minister in a congregational church. Uh, for a couple of years, that was 2009 to 2011, um, and that church at the time was dual affiliation United Church of Christ and Four Seas, uh, which theologically tend to not be on the same page. But this mm. church sort of had affiliation with both, um, so I, I was familiar with the congregational church from that. But other than that, my background well, it's been pretty varied denominationally. But um, but the, most recently, uh, the Episcopal Church has has been my home, and then the Anglican communion as well. And I've done youth ministry in that setting. Um, so it wasn't, uh, you know, an enormous transition uh, to come, although certainly the uh, kind of church structure is different. We don't have bishops. 
Uh, and sure. and we, we do tend to keep things fairly local with the church. It's not that we don't value partnership with others, but uh, but the congregational feel is, uh, you know, pretty evident in this church. Yeah. And what, uh, have you always lived in that area? Or is no, this a new area to you? Yeah, we've, we've bounced around a little bit. We've been in Massachusetts since 2008. So it, it feels, I mean, it very much feels like home. We were, uh, before that, we were in Northern Virginia. Uh, before that, I was in the Chicago suburbs. I've lived in, uh, let's see, Indiana, Virginia, Texas. I was born in Princeton, New Jersey, and lived there for nine days before uh, moving. <laughs> but you're claiming it. You're claiming it. That's right. Yeah. 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 So I've been been around a little bit, mostly the South and the Midwest and the East Coast. Those are kind of the three regions. Haven't haven't lived out West. What uh, what part of Texas were you in? We were in the Woodlands, just oh, outside yeah. of Houston. Do you know that area? I don't, but I've heard about it because everybody in Austin is from Dallas or Houston, practically. So, I hear, I hear, I hear these names tossed around, but yeah, <laughs> I haven't really been there. Sure, great. Well, thanks for that background. So, all that being said, uh, like in the life of your kind, well, I, let me even ask this: you, you said you've been there for two years, three years. Yeah, this is my third year. I okay, came okay. Uh, two almost two and a half years ago. I yeah. came as pastor. So what would be, in the life of your congregation, what would the role of preaching be? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, it's, I think it feels like a fairly central part of the service. It's certainly not as central as traditions where you might get a, a kind of block of songs, some announcements, a 45-minute sermon, and then another song and you're done. It's, it's not like that at all. We have uh, liturgical variety um, that th there's always two scripture readings. Uh, there are always three hymns and uh, two songs that the worship band leads in addition to that. So there's five songs, but they're kind of spread out. We have a children's lesson. Uh, one kind of cornerstone of our worship service is uh, share, we call it sharing and prayers of the faith community. Hmm. And so after the sermon and the hymn of response, anybody has a chance to stand up or, or I guess stay seated if they want and say, here's how I'd like to request prayer either for me or for somebody else. Um, and then we have folks share and then uh, we actually pray for each other uh, together. So that, that serves sort of a sacramental function. I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's certainly not communion or the Eucharist. We, we do that once a month, but yeah. that prayer time has that same kind of uh, central feature every Sunday so that, uh, you know, if, again, back to the sermon, to answer your question, if the sermon just didn't connect or just didn't, you know, it wasn't resonating with people, um, that prayer time seems to be something that folks look forward to uh, each week and I think really makes us who we are. So um, so that's a nice thing because I, you know, theologically, I recognize diversity here, but I'm, I'm not convinced the sermon has to be kind mm -hmm. of the central uh, uh, vehicle for the communication of God's grace to, to God's people. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that we have these other elements. Uh, that said, a lot of the other elements do kind of flow from and connect back to the sermon. So it, it does have, a, uh, I think, a, a fairly central role, even if, even if it's not kind of the primary thing. Yeah, so it feels, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily say that everything is wrapped around the sermon, but it still has some gravitas in the midst of your, your liturgy. Yeah, for sure. How long do you preach usually? Uh, you know, I've been preaching a little bit longer lately, but for for me, that means twenty to twenty three minutes. Yeah. And uh, when I came here, I think my my sermons were more in the twelve to to eighteen, maybe twenty minute vicinity. And in general, I probably average around seventeen to twenty three. You know, 
There's that Anglican influence you're talking about. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then do you preach every Sunday? Yes, I do. Yeah. I, I'm the only staff person here. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, we certainly have other talented, uh, you know, gifted teachers and preachers here. Um, so I do try to make use of pulpit supply. I think probably around something like eight times a year, um, mm-hmm. we'll try to have somebody else in the pulpit. But uh, but I'm in kind of a stretch now. I'm I'm doing ten weeks through James, and I'm in the second half of James four. Um, and since I started that, I haven't had anyone else in the pulpit, and I, I may not for a few more weeks. But uh, you know, probably once every eight to twelve weeks, I try to get try to get somebody else in. All right. So you just uh, you just made a nice little segue to my next question, which is how, how do you choose what to preach on? It sounds like you don't do lectionary. If you're, you've been going through James, that's right. Yeah, uh, I I sometimes do the lectionary and I sometimes don't. This ser- series on James was actually inspired by looking at the lectionary for the fall, and I saw James. I think it was in mid to late sem- September, maybe. There were something like three selections from James. Mm-hmm which just made me think, wow, James is really an awesome book. And I would love to preach on that. But the thought of just doing three seems really hard. And and there's so much there. And then as I started thinking about who our church is and where people are right now, and just kind of what I know from uh, developing relationships with with folks in the parish, um, it occurred to me that James would be a really good fit. And so why not stretch it out? And so I, I have that liberty. There are people here who appreciate lectionary preaching, but I don't think there's anybody here who is offended when I'm off lectionary, so yeah. to speak. So I felt freedom to make that a 10-week series, which uh, took us from the beginning of the school year and, and takes us up to Advent. Uh, but there are certainly other times where I'll preach through the lectionary, uh, particularly, uh, you know, the Gospels I'm always coming back to. And so there, there might be a, a, a couple of uh, big chunks where I've got something else mapped out and maybe four weeks in between, and I'm not sure what to do. I'll just pick the Gospel reading for that day. How far in advance do you usually plan? Uh, I usually have uh, kind of a sketch of scripture passages and maybe even some related topics, probably about three months out at a mm-hmm. time, more or less. And is that just kind of, uh, I mean, do you set aside deliberate times to really kind of think forward on those things? Or is it just as you're working on one, you start getting ideas for what might come next and you start to fill that in? Yeah, some of both. Yeah, that that ends up being a pretty organic process. You know, I'm I'm really into uh if you see my blog, you know, I'm really into task management uh in general and you know, accompanying software that helps one do that. Um and so one might think that such a person would be deliberate and say every, you know, eighth Tuesday I'm sitting down doing <laughs> long-range sermon planning. Well, probably uh in actuality, that happens, but I never plan it that way. I, I think internally, something just kind of goes off when I think, "Oh gosh, I'm, you know, I, I know what I'm preaching on the next three weeks, but after that, I'm not sure." And so I'll I'll carve out some time and and do the next you know two or three months after that. Yeah. Okay. And is it is it really just uh, your own discernment? Do you include? Is there a leadership team or anything like that that kind of helps you evaluate that? Yeah, that's a great question. We have a, a great group of deacons at our church, uh, and and then we have a governance board too. They they function sort of as uh, I guess trustees. So those those two boards, and I'll be in touch with both of them. The deacons in particular help discern direction when it comes to worship services and Sunday school and things like that. Um, generally, that takes the form of my kind of saying, "Here's what I'm thinking. Um, I, I think this could be a good fit, and here's why. What do you think?" So there's not a whole lot of collaborative get out the whiteboard and think about, you know, what is God saying to us as a church and what do we need to hear and what parts of scripture or what topics connect with that? We don't do anything 
uh, that collaborative. But I do stay in, in pretty close touch with them, and I do a pastor's report at every monthly meeting and just try to keep my pulse on both the leadership and the congregation to see if it's something that's connecting with folks. Gotcha. Well, all right. Well, let's uh, let's let's like get into the nitty gritty and talk right. about putting together a particular sermon. And uh, seriously, like you can nerd out as much as you want here because I might even like go in in details and try to pull that out. Uh, all right. So I I know that you uh, I know that you like the tools. You like the digital tools. One of the things, and I've said this before. Um, and I know you've listened to some of them. I don't know how many you've listened to, but one of the things that has really surprised me is how many people, uh, and, and I fully expected I would find more people who really use a lot of good digital tools and software and all that when I started this process, this podcast, and I've been really surprised how few do. And I've certainly had some who do. So this yeah. one will be fun for me because I'll, I'll probably be able to resonate with a lot of what you do. But sure. so that being said, you know, from the time... Why don't you just walk us through a timeline from when, how far in advance a particular sermon might start and lead up to Sunday. Okay. Sounds great. And let me take this as an opportunity. I've not sponsored to say this, but I've <laughs> got my uh, my notes right here in Byword, my Markdown friendly mm, app. Byword, yeah. Kind of outlining this stuff. Um, and yeah, let me just, let me preface that with an answer that my, my sermon workflow changes uh, every so often. And, and part of that is I, you know, I have it, it come to find out uh, just like when you're preaching on something and you think you're the only one that's dealing with a particular sin or, or wrestling with a particular angle of the text, you find out that actually everybody is. Um, well, uh, software for productivity turns out to be the same way. Just when you think you're the only one who's trying the seventh to-do app you know, <laughs> in a month, you realize actually a lot of other people are like that too. So um, so I don't know whether that's true with sermon workflow. And, and I, I think some of your guests, at least from what I can see, have varied tools. But I do like to change it up, um, partly just to keep me interested in the, the process of preparing sermons. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not to say, you know, theologically that scripture itself is not enough. But, but when you do it week in and week out, and you have other things going on, both inside and outside of the church, uh, it does help to have kind of a, uh, almost a peripheral motivation. And, and so for me, kind of changing the workflow around yeah. uh, keeps things kind of fun and, and keeps me fresh, too, I think, as a preacher. Well, that, that's good to hear because uh, I actually had a friend of mine turn the tables and interview me for this podcast like, I don't know, it was probably about five months ago. And I, I realized I've changed a lot since then. <laughs> and, now I, and now I put sermons together. So yeah, you're absolutely. not alone. You're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're getting a snapshot. And, uh, you know, unless unless this uh, totally turns people off from Sermon Smith, maybe, maybe we do this again in six months. <laughs> we'll it'll see. be a totally different interview. That's right. So the first thing is I select a text and, uh, you know, whether it's the lectionary or whether it's something that's topic based um, or uh, book of the Bible based. And I tend not to do a lot of topic oriented sermons. In other words, I don't do four weeks on how to live a less stressful life to the glory of God or something like that. It, it tends to emerge from like I'm doing now 10 weeks in the book of James. And then, of course, lots of themes and topics can emerge uh, or I'll follow the lectionary. So the first thing is selecting the text. And, um, you know, most weeks, actually almost every week, by the time the week starts, I know what text I'm going to be preaching on. So so my my first point of uh, of contact then with, with the sermon prep process is actually to just type in the, the reference into the, the search entry bar in accordance. Yeah. Which I'll do either on iPad or iPhone or, or more likely on computer at that point. 
So I'll, I'll check it out in accordance. Um, our pew Bibles are the 1984 NIV. Yeah. So I've got, I've got to look at that. I don't have to read that. Uh, gender accuracy is actually a really, really important thing for me. And I think, sure. you know, um, and especially having learned some Greek and Hebrew, realizing that when James in the NIV says brothers, if he's talking to men and women, I'm going to read it as brothers and sisters. So uh, for me, part of the the process is comparing the 1984 NIV to the 2011 and the TNIV and maybe the NRSV or something like that. So I'll get those all open in accordance. There's a cool little compare feature. You just check a box in accordance. I think Logos has something uh, similar too, where you can just at a glance, see the differences in the text. Um, and I'll actually read those out loud uh, a couple times um, to hear what it sounds like hmm. and to know kind of to try to put myself in the shoes of the congregation. Uh, what is it? What kind of oral effect is this going to have hearing the text for the first time? Because that's all the intro that they might get to the sermon. And so I should at least know what it feels like to hear myself read it since I'm going to have other people do it. Right. And this is in your office, I assume. You're not sitting in a coffee shop uh, reading the yeah. text out loud. <laughs> right. Not yet, not yet, anyway. Yeah, I haven't doubled it as a tool for evangelism. I <laughs> might scare some people away. Uh, so I'll do that. And then at that point, I will, I'll do one of two things. And this is actually, uh, I'm in a, a moment of, of flux right now, kind of going back and forth. Uh, I will either put the text into uh, MindNode, the yep. mind, mind mapping app, um, and I, and from there, I'll divide it up into an outline of the passage. I'll try to outline the passage. So if I've got eight verses from James, I'll put them all in mind node and try to make new uh, no, new nodes that uh, maybe represent a, a topic or a subtopic or something like that. Um, so it's pretty easy using that mind mapping now that I finally figured it out after years of people recommending it and me yeah. just thinking, oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, may outline the passage that way. So you, it's almost like uh, if these two or three verses seem to make a point, there'll be one node and exactly. then, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And actually what probably would be more efficient, I don't do it this way, but probably uh, would be to just make each verse its own node and start that way and then kind of group them as it emerges. But I just copy and paste. And, you know, when I think I see something uh, something new or a, a transition happening, I'll I'll make it its own point. Okay. Um, so I, I have the text there and I'm, I'm outlining the passage and then I'll start another node that just says ideas. And from there I'll branch out and whatever topics come to mind as I'm outlining the text, I'll put those there, um, which emerge from the text, but maybe they come from my subconscious or, you know, a song I was listening to or a movie I watched or a news story. I'll make another node that is illustrations. Uh, what else am I doing right now? I'll make another node that is uh, commentary notes, which I'll get to in a minute. But basically, yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've been using MindNode recently to organize um, pretty much all my research. And do you tend to do this on computer or a tablet, iPad? I actually go back and forth. It, yeah. it just depends on, uh, you know, I am uh, talking with you right now on a 2008 iMac, if you can believe it. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's had its hard drive replaced and it's doing fine, but it's also not the quickest machine in the world. And um, so I I do the iPad Air too. I've I've got that as a, a church uh, device that I use, and so I may may do it on MindNode as well. I've just when I've used MindNode, I love using it on a tablet for in terms of being able to move things around. Yeah. But it, but at the same time, I like using it on a computer where I can see more at once. So Absolutely. I was curious if you find one of those works better for you. I, I prefer the computer and, and, and for that very reason. Yeah. Also, the keyboard shortcuts, and I use an external keyboard quite often with the iPad. Uh, the keyboard shortcuts on MindNode, 
for iOS haven't quite caught up to the desktop version yet. Hmm. Um, although their developer is awesome and very responsive, and I know they're working on that. Um, but I, I've actually learned a lot of the keyboard shortcuts. So if I just want a quick kind of you know hash something out, I'll get to a computer if I can for that. Yeah. Uh, the alternative to that is, um, and this is actually how I found you, was through uh, this thing called sketch noting, which hmm. uh, you and, and many others know way more than I do about. I it, don't. I, I've only talked. Okay. To, I've only done an interview about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's sort of. Uh, I, I guess it's mind mapping. You yeah. know, Same kind of thing. I'll, I'll write out the text by hand in a notebook, and um, and and maybe draw it. You know, if. if uh, Oh, I don't know. Uh, I was preaching about the, the part in James where he says talks about bitter envy and selfish ambition, um, basically uh, leading to evil behavior. And so I just drew a picture of one stick figure killing another stick figure, which, you know, it, maybe that doesn't add much to the sermon prep process. Um, uh, but for me in, in that moment, it just to, to visualize it and just to stop and kind of reflect with how ridiculous that image actually looked. Um, that kind of spurred some good thinking for me on that text. So I might try that where I'm uh, maybe not trying to outline per se. It's just I am writing it. And then if if an image comes to mind, I'll draw it. I'm, I'm an awful artist. You know, I just can't draw yeah, worth yeah. anything. Um, but, but I do find that to be helpful. So I, I may do that instead of mind note. And some of that may just be, do I feel like being in front of an electronic device or not? You know, does it feel cozy to me right now to just get a cup of coffee and go sit on the couch and use a notebook? So that's it's uh mind note is that obviously more powerful than than pen and paper um but depending on the mood i'll do one of those two is is kind of my first initial brainstorming uh stage yeah. okay so then from there uh i will do research on the original languages first i'll look at the greek and the hebrew i will uh look at sentence diagrams um in accordance um bible works has a, a couple tools for that that i'll occasionally use um i will uh, read through, well, not always, but I, I, as whenever I can, I'll look at the Greek and see if anything emerges that's uh, useful for, for my own study and understanding of the text. Um, and I'll just read over the English over and over uh, and, uh, you know, just keep looking at it in mind note or in my notebook until something emerges. Um, from there, you know, after I've done that, usually I've got a passage outline by this point and I'm on my way to a sermon outline, then I'll go to commentaries. Uh, what part just, of the week would it be? Would be la, la, Would we be yeah. in now? That's a hard sentence. That is a <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tuesday. I take Monday off, okay, and then Tuesday morning I will do everything I just mentioned uh, okay. in, in a perfect world, you know, yeah, ideally. Yeah. Or, um, and then the commentaries will probably happen, you know, Wednesday morning, Thursday, uh, together with illustrations. Um, and then probably by Friday and Saturday, uh, certainly, obviously by Saturday, you know, it's, it's getting fleshed out and, and written out. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I try to, before I go to commentaries, I try to let it simmer. That's an important step for me. And I actually find if I, uh, go for a run and I've, I've looked at the text already for the week and, and played with an outline, I'm, I'm likely to have decent ideas that come to me, whether, whether that's endorphins or the Holy Spirit or hmm. me or some some mysterious combination, you know, I, I don't know how all those things work together. Um, but but that's actually an important step for me to uh, get outside, get some exercise, get away from uh, whatever tool I've been using or, or just the text itself, and and kind of let things percolate. Gotcha. Okay, so that so go ahead. You you were about to talk about commentaries when I jumped in there. Sure. Yeah. No, and that that's fine. And uh, 
I don't, I don't mean to give an overly long description of the no, process. No, I, I love this. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. Good. And anybody still listening right now? A few people are, I uh, promise. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Um, yeah, and then the commentaries, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I have most of my library is in accordance. I have some in print. Logos, I mean, their library is unparalleled, obviously. They, they just have more licenses and more deals with publishers. Um, I use Olive Tree a little bit, maybe Kindle. So drawing from various places, I will take notes on commentaries. And I, I'm always sure to do two things. One is um, to, to mark the text that I found useful in the format in which I found it. So if I'm using something, you know, if I found uh, the new international version application commentary, for James for two ninety nine on Kindle, and I didn't have it. Of course, I got it, even if Kindle isn't ideal. And if I'm reading it in Kindle, I'll highlight it in Kindle for next time I use it. But then I'll also copy and paste it and put it into a user note in accordance. Huh. And those those accordance user notes are that they're tied to the biblical verses. And and uh, and Logos is the same. And Bible works too. All the same. You can tie it with any version, yeah. and it keeps it there. You know, forever or however long. Uh, that sort of technology lasts. Um, so all of my commentary stuff, whether it came from Kindle or whether I have to type it up from a print commentary uh, or copy and paste from Olive Tree or whatever, all of that goes into my Accordance user notes so that I can see um, all of my commentary notes verse by verse. And that works well for lectionary preaching and it works well for book of the Bible-based preaching. If I were to do a lot more topical preaching, yeah. that might be a little trickier. But I, I don't do a ton of topical preaching, uh, at least not as such. And so it ends up working well that I'm, I'm usually within the confines of a passage. And so when I'm done with all of that research, then I can take my user notes from uh, James 4, 1 through 12, and then just copy them and paste them and then move them into my next tool where I'm going to do my writing. Yeah. So is that something where, I mean, you talk about when you're reading your Kindle version of the NIV application commentary for James, is that as you're studying for this sermon or is that, is that anytime you're doing any kind of study, you capture those notes so that you're just building this bigger and bigger library in accordance? Yeah. Uh, it's more the former, uh, but for the latter, if I'm reading through the Bible for personal devotions and I find something I like, I will export it from, I mean, if I'm reading the Bible in electronic format, that's, probably going to be in accordance i'll export it to evernote and i've got a notebook i can't remember what it's called right now i think it's just called journal or something like that mm. um and so stuff that emerges outside of my kind of explicitly dedicated sermon prep time goes into evernote or uh, i guess it, it i use drafts a lot on uh, iphone yeah. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's the app you never knew you were gonna love. at least for me i just thought well what's the point yeah uh, but i i can't imagine not using it now it's it's fantastic so between evernote and drafts i'm i'm capturing stuff that occurs uh on a regular basis you want to briefly describe drafts for a non-drafts user oh i would love to i i think their tagline is something like where text begins i think so iOS, yeah something like that and it's it's just a, a you get a quick text entry screen uh, on your iPhone or iPad, and then you can just close it and go away, and it'll still be there later. It doesn't really save to the iCloud or Dropbox, so you can't access your files from a computer. But it all kind of just stores it there in drafts. And then the the fun thing with it is there are a million different 
kind of built-in things and then add-on actions you can download right into the app that allow you to export that text any number mm-hmm. of places. Yeah, and it's become even really handy now with the latest iOS 9. I have an iPad mini, but where you can just slide over and have drafts right there so you can type something in real quick. That's right. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. And another thing about that, it, I mean, I, I keep meaning to write a blog post about this, but I haven't. But one of the ways I use uh, Logos, I I find uh, it, it could be the 2008 iMac or it could just be Logos for Mac, but I, I find it to be um, a, a fairly resource intense yeah. CPU intensive program. True. So I'm using it on the iPad a lot more than on the computer. Um, and which is actually great because on the iPad, you can just copy something in Logos and then export it to drafts and it will send it. And then you can do that a bunch of times and then you can go to your drafts and you can select each of the individual drafts and merge them into one new draft. So then all your research that was individually exported kind of comes into one, you know, one place. Yeah. So that's that's one one way that I use it. Great, and helpful. So so I'm going to backtrack here. So you were talking about how you grab stuff from different places and put it in user notes in accordance. Uh, right. But then you talked about how you're also grabbing things and putting them in Evernote. So like, what's the what's the different purpose of each of those storage locations? Yeah, um, you know, I use I started using Evernote for sermon illustrations, and yeah. I, I realized that as good as canned illustrations are, and, and I have uh, been using PreachingToday.com recently and, and finding some good stuff there. But as useful as that kind of thing is, I, I think what's most um, beneficial for me and i i think maybe for the congregation too is those illustrations that just emerge from everyday life yeah uh you know telling a story of something that happened to somebody 15 years ago uh you know it certainly has its place and maybe it's a compelling story um but it just something feels a little i don't know more direct if if you're able to comment on a news story or something that you read in a book you were reading uh and so evernote is the the place where I catch all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so if I'm if I'm reading the Week magazine, which uh, is excellent resource for sermon illustrations, I was given a, a gift subscription to the Week, hmm. and um, didn't know much about it. And uh, you know, it's sort of a cross between the Economist and People magazine. It's got it's got you know uh, news analysis from all over, but a more personal touch. And so I'm finding illustrations in there all the time. Well, w- when that happens, I'll just whip out my phone. I'll take a picture of the, you know, little, uh, column or whatever, and then save it to Evernote and put it in sermon illustrations. And then in my workflow, I, there's a point in the sermon process, you know, probably once, uh, once I move to the outlining, I'm checking that Evernote notebook. So that's where Evernote came in. And then I found with other stuff, I, I think, um, Accordance has done a, a, a good job with user notes on iOS but again, even if I'm reading in accordance, I just find it easier to quickly export to Evernote rather than to open a user note and type something in there. So Evernote has become not just illustrations, but a just general kind of catch catch all place for me. Um, and then again, with drafts, even that I might just be typing something and sending it to Evernote, but it doesn't take as long to open. Right. Um, right. And so I know it can be dangerous to have you know multiple apps to use for similar purposes, uh, and I, I try to be careful about that. But I, I think with with Evernote and drafts and um, uh, user notes in accordance, that all works pretty well for me. Almost sounds uh, like accordance has become like your own little accumulated commentary, whereas Evernote is more conceptual stuff. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. I had yeah. to alliterate it because I'm a preacher. So. Yeah, that's very good. Very good. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So uh, you've got MindNode. You've started breaking it apart and started working on commentary notes. So what comes after that? Well, I will. Um, next is illustrations, mm -hmm. although that, that comes when it comes. Um, but if it hasn't come, I'll start to think about, okay, what are some uh, and I should also say, as I'm taking notes in the commentary, my sermon outline is taking more and more, uh, more shape, you know? Um, so as I get those points, I, I, I have specific things I know I'm going to need to possibly illustrate, not that everything has to have an illustration, but I like to be open to that. Um, so at that point I will get that Evernote notebook out. I have a, a tag that I use to make sure I don't use illustrations more than once or, or twice in, in two months or something. And that tag is just, used in a sermon. <laughs> and uh, so I've, I, that shows up every time I look at that notebook and I can see which ones weren't. Um, so I'll go through that and, and use that for illustrations. Um, you know, I, I, I yeah, I guess I'll go to preachingtoday.com too. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of digging that I do at this point for illustrations because if I have something that has come up during the week, it will already be an Evernote. Yeah. Um, I may need to go look for something. I, I may really need to illustrate something that I have nothing on. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess I'll turn to maybe a more application oriented commentary if I haven't already, um, or maybe just New York times or, or what have you see what catches my interest. Uh, but, but at this point it is where the illustrations come in. And, um, this is probably, uh, it, it's at the moment it's taking place in mind note. I, I think, okay. you know, uh, a year ago, um, it would have been Scrivener, where, where all this stuff was happening. Yeah, I would I would copy paste the user notes into Scrivener. I would copy paste the illustrations from Evernote into Scrivener. Um, I would have my outline, you know, multiple multiple panes and and so on and so forth. But right now, all that stuff is going into Mind Node. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's funny. That's I talked about how different mine is. Uh, I was using MindNode about six months ago, and now I'm deep into Scrivener. So it's like that, we're we're ships hilarious. passing in the night. Absolutely, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, I tell you, when when Scrivener gets their iPad app out, I I may go back whole yeah, hog. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to beat mind mapping, and mine is not a mind that has historically resonated with the more visual stuff. But it's actually really been working for me, so I, I may keep using it. But either way, once once Scrivener hits on iOS, I'm gonna definitely check it out. So, so your mind map, you have broken the text down into chunks, and then are you drawing? You're bringing in commentary notes and illustrations as like sub children off of each of those chunks of text. Yeah, and I I had started making everything come off of the passage outline, but then I realized. A sermon outline and a passage outline might be two different things. Yeah. And uh, I think I had some sermon outlines that were absolutely mirroring the outline of the passage that just came off as too wooden, or maybe they felt not fluid or something like that when they turned into 20-minute sermons. So I, I now I keep the passage outline its own separate node and, and sub-nodes, and I'll start a new one that's, that is sermon outline. Um, and that's kind of the you know most important node and, and set of children nodes or sub nodes um, for when I get to the export process. So I'll keep all this other stuff. I've got the passage outline node. I've got the illustrations. I've got the user notes. Um, but then I've got the sermon outline. And that's kind of what I really care about as far as the end result. Um, and so, you know, I haven't used my node long enough to know how easily retrievable is research that's all stuck in mind note and for me that's one reason why i use user notes is that i accordance i know how to get at that stuff really easily and really quickly so there is some duplication going on 
Um, but yeah, it'll be that sermon outline node that kind of is, is where I, I get to the point of uh, outlining the sermon before I'm going to export and do whatever final writing uh, and, and printing out, you know, that I'm for the thing I'm going to take into the pulpit with me. Some people can very readily answer this question and some people can't at all. <laughs> but it's always a question that fascinates me, which is how does your outline form? Is there a structure you try to follow or is it just, it seems like the ideas start coming together? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't, I can't think of any structure I would try to follow. I mean, I, you know, I've read Haddon Robinson and I, I mean, that's the Gordon Conwell, um, uh, Actually, I've got a, three classes left still, so to, uh, still technically a student there. Um, but I've been trained in that you know method, and I understand the whole kind of inductive versus deductive, and which way you're going to do it. But for me, rather than trying you know three or four different outline templates, it's it's a lot more just kind of seeing what emerges. Yeah. Um, and and so for the for the outline now, uh, I was trying to see if I had it open on the computer, but um, anyway, I've uh, I've got the second half of James four where James is talking about. Um, people who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this or that town and make a lot of money. Uh, and then, uh, so James basically is saying, uh, here's their orientation. Uh, but then next he says something in classic James fashion, like, oh, you know, you, you foolish people, you stupid morons in the original language, I think it was. Um, don't you know that your life is just a speck and, and you don't really know anything about tomorrow? So, so there's the orientation, which is uh, not a good orientation that he talks about. And then he does this disorientation. Um, and, and Walter Brueggemann, I think, uses this uh, conceptual framework. But he goes from orientation to disorientation, then to reorientation at the end, where he talks about, well, actually, you should be saying, if God wills it, then we will do this or that. Hmm. And so that emerged just from looking at the text but I think that kind of conceptual framework can be helpful because I think any number of us can think about times where, uh, you know, we were uh, kind of postured a certain way, needed to be shaken out of that, but then needed to also be set right into something new. Um, so that's that's what's coming this week. And, you know, I, I haven't even stopped to take the time to think about where does that fit in the schema that, you know, preaching professors right, teach. Right. Uh, it, it, it feels a little bit more intuitive to me, I guess. Yeah. So uh, so as you're moving out of mind node, where does the finalization process of all of these pieces coalesce? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this is the thing I change the most, actually. Okay. Uh, at the moment, if I'm on iPad, I will go from Mind Node into Ulysses yeah. or OneWriter, uh, which is a, a nice little writing app, or Editorial. Does um, <laughs> that change week to week? Or? <laughs> no, well... Uh, Yes, actually, it does. It, it has been recently. The reason um, I would probably just use Ulysses, but editorial has a, and actually, one writer has this too. You can, uh, so they're all markdown writing apps, um, yeah. and you can navigate by heading uh, really easily in editorial. There's just a little drop down menu at the top of the screen you can use to quickly navigate to to a different section. Well, Ulysses has that on the desktop, but it hasn't made it over to iOS yet. And if you're working with 2,200 words and five headings and 15 subheadings, either you need to simplify your outline, which I am working on, uh, or you need an app that's going to allow you to quickly navigate between sections. Because if I'm at the very end working on my conclusion, I might think about something I needed to say in the introduction. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal to flick your finger till you get to the top of the document. You know, like, that's okay. You're not going to lose... <laughs> 
that much time. Uh, but editorial allows you to navigate the headings quickly, uh, as does one writer. Um, so that's why I kind of bounce back and forth. There might be some weeks where I don't care about that or my outline is really simple and then I'll just type it in Ulysses uh, because it looks so nice. Yeah. So so from from MindNode to any of those apps, right. do you move it over as a RTF? Uh, you can export as a markdown file from... Oh, Mind that's right. That's right. That's yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a while where I was doing OPML files and using Omni Outliner. Um, and, and that's a that's a fine app. I, I just have found that I needed something less structured and rigid and something more fluid, like a you know a writing app rather than an outlining app per se. Um, and, but oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and again for anybody who's not Markdown familiar, we've certainly talked about it one or two times on here. Uh, but Markdown is like a quick way to write text and even create outlines with, but just using your keyboard, you're not having to move things around and indent and all that. It does it all for you. Yeah, that's a really simple explanation of yeah, it, but it's it's really helpful uh, for yeah. for typing things quickly. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're in one of these apps, depending right. on uh, what you had for lunch on Wednesday. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so is does, is it it's it almost a manuscript by the time you're working in there? Right. And uh, you guessed it, though. That also varies. Um, it, it's at least what I would consider an annotated outline. Mm -hmm. um, I Last fall, I was down to two pages of an outline. Now I'm back up to 10 pages of a manuscript. Mm. Um, but that, again, just sort of varies depending on. And honestly, I, I don't I hope this doesn't sound fickle. And I've been told because I ask people about this. I've been told that um, even really attuned folks in the congregation can't tell the difference between whether I'm at a manuscript or an outline because of preaching style. Um, and maybe it's fickle, but just based on wanting to keep things interesting for me in terms of, you know, when you get to that nitty gritty preparation process, wanting to just have the challenge of, oh, could I actually get this down to an outline and preach more contemporaneously this week because I've been word for word the last four weeks. I mean, those are the sorts of things that, that drive that. And of course, I do think if you can do it, I think outline preaching provides occasion for more eye contact and better interaction with the congregation. The trade-off is you lose some of the precision, of course, that you have sure. with the manuscript, and you may end up saying something not quite the way you wanted to say it. So I do kind of bounce back and forth on those. Uh, and again, that's where editorial uh, or Ulysses on a computer is useful, where I really can jump between headings and decide, is this a heading where I can just kind of say what I need to about it because I know what I want to say, or do I need to actually type it out a little bit more? And do you, so what, what ends up going with you into the pulpit on Sunday? Paper. And, Paper. Uh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's usually, uh, and, and that probably is just because of a distrust of technology, hmm. um, which is ironic uh, right. given everything else I've said so far. <laughs> Cause you've hardly used paper so far. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the whole, uh, sketch noting thing, you know, trying things in notebooks, that's actually been a very recent innovation. And so other than these last four weeks, I don't think I've used paper. I can't think of a time when I've used paper other than reading a print commentary in the sermon prep process. And are you tweaking it up until Sunday morning and then printing it out? Or are you printing it out earlier and then scribbling all over it? Uh, I tweak it up until Sunday morning and then print it out on Sunday morning. Yeah. And then it's, it's possible that during a, a moment in the worship service, I mean, obviously, I want to be engaged in the service itself, but it's possible that my mind will wander into my sermon, uh, you know, 
maybe in, in another element of the service before then. And so I might be taking a couple notes there at the moment. Or actually what is really great when this happens, something might occur to me, a connection with a hymn or another scripture reading or something like that, then I'll, I'll jot that down. So it really is fluid in that sense until the moment I get up there. And actually even in that moment it's fluid. When I'm preaching from a manuscript, hopefully if I've done enough homework, I can say something and that might spur something else that seems relevant mm-hmm. at the time. I'm because I, I mean, it sounds funny to say this, but I can hear what I'm saying, you know, like I, I'm listening to myself preach. And so I, I do try to, to have kind of, uh, have that be a dynamic, uh, experience regardless of if I'm on a manuscript or an outline. Yeah. Well, what if I, I feel like I've, uh, pulled apart your whole process and asked you questions and guided you along, but is there anything that I haven't asked you about or left out out of that timeline? Well, I think probably like most preachers, I could do uh, a kind of more consistent job of, of praying all through the process. Hmm, yeah, And um, that's not something you left out. It's something I left out as I was describing it just now. But uh, but I think um, you know there, there are any number of points in, in which that could enter. And I, I think especially when I've looked at the text initially during the week, early in the week, and then go for a run, that's probably the time. I mean, those, those runs end up being pretty prayerful uh, anyway. Yeah. So that's probably the... the primary point where that comes in but that's obviously uh, a key part um but I, you know i don't know I, maybe i will get up there with an ipad one of these days but something about it just feels like the old-fashioned way is, is still the way uh the way to go there with with printing it out and bringing it up and do, do you use uh slides much at all uh probably once every three or four sundays yeah if, uh, if i've got something that i think will help illustrate it i don't use slides just for the sake of using slides and I try to be careful about how many words of text to put on there. Um, a single Bible verse is the most text that will ever go up. I'm a big fan of four to six words as you're making a main point, mm-hmm. if you think it's helpful. But again, if, if it's not, um, then I, I might have no slides at all. Hmm. Okay. That, you know, I don't know why I just asked you that question, because I don't know that I've ever asked anybody that question. It's come up a few times, but it, it, does, it does affect because... your... It does affect your prep a little bit, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you asked me that question because I was thinking about saying that, and we're <laughs> so much on the same wavelength. Right. You could tell that I was about to bring up slides, and you just asked. Maybe so. It's great. Uh, well, talk a little bit about uh, books that have been helpful to you, like it, just in terms of forming who you are as a preacher. They might be preaching books. They might not be. Yeah. Well, I'm looking over at my quick reference bookshelf now. I think um, – a couple of non-preaching books that have been uh, really influential for me are uh, Peter Senge's uh, The Fifth Discipline, oh, wow. which is all about systems thinking and how life is all of a piece and uh, everything is interrelated and, and you can't isolate um, problems without considering the larger context and how uh, step A affects step B, but then that goes back and reiterates and influences step A and um, so that book is influential, I think, in my pastoring. Well, actually, just in how I think about the world. And uh, I, I think part of what resonates with that um, with me in that is his uh, ability to synthesize lots of different things, which is something I'm trying to do as I'm you know, preaching and, and looking at a text and looking at the world around me and looking at the congregation. Um, I had a professor who talked about exegeting the text, but also being uh, sure that you were trying to exegete the world and the culture around you and also exegete your congregation. Um, And so that kind of systems thinking model of everything being interrelated has just been profoundly influential on me. Um, So that's one. Uh, Paulo Freire's Pedagogy of the Oppressed Hmm. is um, not a preaching book per se, but it's actually a teaching book. It's written by an educator for educators. 
Um, he talks about what are effective models of education. Uh, and so occasionally, you know, I, I think, well, gosh, maybe this whole monologue thing, maybe we've just gotten it all wrong and we just need to sit around in a circle and talk about the text in the middle of the church service. We, we haven't done that, but, uh, but I, I do, if I don't go that far, at least it just helps me to remember that uh, this process of preaching is supposed to be part of a larger kind of living, breathing, active relationship with the congregation. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not Freire's words at all, but that's something I think that I picked up from from the influence of that book. Um, I guess another, uh, you know, John Stott's Between Two Worlds I thought was pretty long, but uh, Erdman's has just come out with an abridged version of it, um, which title I am not calling to mind at the moment, but uh, but that's been helpful to look back through that. Uh, of course, Haddon Robbins, uh, Robinson's biblical preaching is is really good, especially for those moments where I am stuck on my outline. And if it's not coming to me naturally, I'll actually slow down and do what Robinson suggests, which is uh, you do the subject and the compliment. So what's what's the author talking about and what's the author saying about what he's talking about? So I'll I'll, I'll maybe pull that out and look at his step by step thing, maybe to, to help me in moments when I'm stuck. Yeah. And then for learning, obviously, you're keeping up somewhere with all of these apps and stuff that you're finding helpful and learning new ones. Yeah. Uh, Where do you go to keep up with some of those kind of things so that you can always be tweaking and playing around with your process? Yeah. um, Lots of places, but I, I think uh, uh, maybe, maybe I can admit that I'm on Twitter uh, still. (laughs) I I thought Twitter was going to die in 2008 and it's, I think it's okay to say, I think. Yeah. yeah, No, I, um, I actually find a lot of really good stuff on Twitter, great sermon illustrations and good quotes. And, you know, your Twitter feed is only as good as the people you follow, but I I follow some pretty remarkable people. Um, So I'm getting lots of stuff. I follow a number of developers and uh, apps and I have lists for that and I'll check them on a regular basis. So I'm kind of staying up with, with what's good there. Um, I'll go to the OmniFocus forums um, to check out uh, best practices there. I actually have read large portions of user manuals, yeah. uh, whether it's the to-do app or, or Omni Outliner or, or something like that. Um, so I'll, I'll stay up that way. Um, Ulysses has a really great blog. They don't have a user manual, but I've, I think I've read every blog post of theirs for the last year. So I'll just kind of poke around and see what are the stated sources of support that each app has and work my way through there. And inevitably you find something that's lacking and then you go on Twitter and find someone else who has the hot new writing app that does this other thing that your previous app didn't do. So you try the new one and uh, that's how I kind of end up bouncing around um, while also being uh, aware that I, you know, it's okay. I think to do that as a hobby, there, there does need to come a point in a week where if it's Saturday night, it, uh, I, I made this mistake once and won't repeat it, but if it's Saturday night, um, and 10 o'clock and I'm still finishing the manuscript, it's probably not a good time to experiment with a new export from MindNode <laughs> to an app that I've never tried before. Probably As, as much as I want to. You know? <laughs> like it's 10 o'clock Saturday night. All I want to do is play with a new app, but I got to get the sermon done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always have energy to try a new app. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Uh, any Any favorite podcasts you listen to that help with any of this? You know, um, besides Sermon Smith, I, I, now, yeah, yeah, right. that's really the only one. I, <laughs> I am not a big podcast listener, huh. um, although I've I've just uh, loaded up uh, Overcast with a couple of podcasts. I'm going to check out from Slate's uh, Working Podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Episode of a lexicographer and um, uh, something somebody who runs a daycare center. So those sorts of personal interest stories are this kind of stuff I want to get into a lot more. It's not a podcast, but Humans of New York uh, since. 
speaking of personal interest stuff, their Facebook yeah. page is absolutely wonderful um, by way of just kind of keeping connected with the stories of humanity, so to speak. Um, but yeah, podcasts, there was one, uh, it, it hasn't been super active, but there was one called the Septuagint Sessions that I was huh. uh, enjoying for a while, um, particularly looking at the the old Greek of, of the Old Testament. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't really done a whole lot of podcast listening, and I don't listen to a lot of other preachers at the moment, um, which probably is a deficiency, but but some of that is just a practical thing of, of how much time is in the week. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I, I really appreciate talking through all this with you. If uh, somebody wants to keep up, talk about your blog, where's your church website, your Twitter, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, church website is uccmagnolia.org. And I am Abram KJ on Twitter. And then my own personal blog, Words on the Word, is just www.abramkj.com. And you can comment. Comments are open uh, on on posts, and there's a contact form there that you can use as well to get in touch with me if, if anyone wants to. Yeah, and you def- you certainly do some helpful walkthroughs. I've noticed of even some of the things you've described here, and you talk right. about apps and music and and all sorts of things. So yeah, yeah. Well, Abram, it's Thanks. it's it's great to meet you. Yeah, Not, you too. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, I I appreciate uh, appreciate you followed up. That, what I didn't say at the beginning is I found you but when i emailed you i typed your i typed abram jk instead of kj and then like randomly three weeks later you reached out to me on twitter and said hey i just found your podcast i love this i'm like well then why didn't you respond to my email (laughs) so here we are yeah yeah it's fortuitous for sure sure is well thanks so much it's uh it's great to talk with you my pleasure thanks john i enjoyed it bless you okay take care Appreciate all of you listening. I want to remind you that you can find the books, you can find the gear, the software, you can find the links. All of that is available on the website. If you go to sermonsmith.com, you can find the archives of all of the previous conversations we've had. And I always try to keep track of what books and what software and all that is mentioned. And I connect those to each. Or if you want to, you can see the books and you can see the gear on the site itself. And it will show you all the people who have mentioned those. So sermonsmith.com, you can find all these resources. Anytime you click on one of those, that is, of course, another way to support the podcast. So thanks so much. 